What a privilege it is for me to come into your space today again, wherever that space might be, whether at home or on the go or in the office. We are studying the Bible together, and I'm very excited about doing this because I love the Word of God, I love the Bible, and I love to talk about it. And I pray that you get blessed, that you grow through the Word of God that's being preached from here, from Oase Church, and uh, we're in a series called Fake, and we are looking at things that are fake and real. Like, we've already had three messages. Message number one was on wisdom. There is fake wisdom, and then there's obviously real wisdom. Uh, there's godly wisdom, there's worldly wisdom. So we looked at that at the first message. And the second message, we looked at goodness or righteousness. We looked at fake goodness and real goodness, fake or self-righteousness, and then the real righteousness that only God can give us through Jesus Christ. And last time we came together, we looked at love and tolerance. And there's a lot of fake stuff out there as far as it goes, what, uh, what it means to love people and to be tolerant. There is so much fake stuff out there. I'm sure you've noticed it, but please go back and watch these sermons, watch these messages, and uh, listen to them, watch them, or again, go back and watch them again. It's very important. Today, we will talk about riches. And yes, you've guessed it. There is true riches, and then there is fake riches. There is godly riches, and then there is worldly riches. Now, there is a place for money and possessions. There is a place for that. There's a place for stocks and bonds and investing. There's a place for all that. But what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world but lose his or her own soul? So we have to, again, differentiate uh, on this subject of riches between the real and the fake. And that's what we'll do today. Now, in Matthew 5, verse 3, our Lord Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, we, if I ask you this question, and I say to you, do you think you are rich, what would you say? Well, in a way, you're rich. If you believe in Christ, you're definitely rich. If you live in Europe or America or in the so-called first or Western world, you are definitely rich as the world and the standard of the world goes. But Jesus actually is asking us to become poor. It actually means that you are blessed if you know you're poor before God. You are nothing before God. He is everything. You are nothing. And realizing how poor you really are without Him makes you truly rich. So that's one aspect for sure. And we will read a story today 
from Jesus in Luke chapter 12. Actually, he was speaking or preaching. Uh, most likely, he was teaching people the Word of God. And uh, then somebody interrupts him from the crowd. Now, let's go into this uh, thing here. In Luke chapter 12, it says in verse 13, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So this is kind of funny. Jesus is teaching on spiritual things, very important life and death spiritual things, uh, eternal destiny type of things. And someone in the crowd interrupted him. That's what's going on here. Somebody in the crowd interrupts him and is asking him to tell his brother to divide the inheritance with him. Now, that's a conflict about the will that their father, who had evidently just died, it's a conflict about the inheritance that their father just you know, left. And he's saying, hey, talk some sense into my brother. Tell him to divide the inheritance with me in the proper way. Now, that's unfortunately a fight that goes on everywhere these days. You know, there is a lot of division about money. There's divorce about money. There is friendships who are severed forever about money. There's business partners who were really good to each other and for each other. They divide over money. And the root of all evil, it says in the scripture, is the love of money. But here is a very important point that when we read that again, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That tells me one thing. What makes you really rich is not what you have or what belongs to you, but what makes you really rich is whom you belong to. Let's say this again. What makes you rich is not what belongs to you, but whom you belong to makes you really rich. And as a Jesus follower, we belong to Almighty God. We have a heavenly Father who owns heaven and earth, who created the entire, entire universe, and we are headed for a new heaven and a new earth for all eternity. Well, I would say it doesn't get any better than that. That makes us truly rich. Let's go, let's go back to the story. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, let me ask you a question. If you had one shot to interrupt Jesus while he's teaching spiritual things, or you have had, if you had any opportunity to ask Jesus one question, what would it be? Would it be about the inheritance? Would it be about material, financial, earthly things? Or what would you really ask him? What would really come out of your mouth, which the, the Bible says, uh, what's in our heart comes out of our mouth, uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's actually, I believe, in Mark chapter 12, where Jesus said that. What would you ask him? Uh, I don't think 
I would ask him about dividing up the inheritance between my siblings. Certainly not, or at least I would hope so. Now, Jesus' answer is very, very curious, very interesting. He says in verse 14, Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? I'm not a judge or an arbiter between you. Now, that you here is plural. That's you. Now, in my language, in German, we differentiate between you, singular, and you, plural. The English language uh, doesn't do that, really. You could mean one person. You could mean you all, many persons. So, but this word in the text, in the manuscript, in the, in the original text is plural. So maybe or probably the brother was in the crowd as well. And Jesus is speaking about spiritual things. The man interrupts him with financial material things, earthly matters. Now, again, there's a place for earthly matters. There's a place for inheritance. There's a place for, for having real estate and investments and money and a pension plan. There's a place for all of that. Saving money, that's, there's a place for that. For sure there is. But we have to understand, when Jesus enters our life, and when we invite Jesus into our life, and invite him into every situation of our lives, our total perspective on life will totally change. Because Jesus has an eternal perspective. Many people only have a temporal, earthly perspective. And we do know that this life down here on earth will end Time will run out. Age will catch up with all of us. So it's very important to see Jesus talked about spiritual things, spiritual destiny, and this man wanted to have a earthly, financial, material thing fixed or figured out. Now, the answers that Jesus gives always have to do with the root Jesus always goes with the root. He'll put his finger on us, and he will go down to the root, much less about the fruit. He doesn't talk so much about the fruit or the results. Jesus wants to get at the heart of the matter and get to the root of the thing. Because if Jesus changes the root, he will automatically change the fruit. If the root is changed... If the root comes alive, the fruit comes alive. Uh, because the problems in our lives lie much, much deeper than meets the eye. You want uh, an answer to your question, but I am talking to you about your innermost being, about your motives, is what Jesus is really saying. You want an answer to your inheritance question. But I want to get to the heart of your problem, which is your heart, which is your motives. There's another example in John chapter 3, where a Pharisee, a very high uh, 
Pharisee, a very high spiritual leader in the Jewish community, comes to Jesus by the name of Nicodemus, and he says, Rabbi, Rabbi, you know, we know you, you've come from God, and so on and so forth, and Jesus just listens to him, and he, said, he looks at him square in the eye and says, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Your problem is not your knowledge, your head. Your head is full of knowledge, full of, full of earthly things, maybe even wisdom, things you know, full of the law. But what you really need is new life. You must be born again. Because Jesus knows the heart behind our questions. Now, in verse 15, it goes on. Um, then he said to them, watch out. I love that. Watch out. Be careful. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. All kinds of greed. Love, life, <laughs> love, yeah, love too probably. But life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Now, it says here, uh, guard against all kinds of greed. Now, we have to attack or we have to be very consequent, very determined to, to be watchful and guarding against all kinds of greed. Now, it's like that with, with many things in life. Now, what you're watching, what you're listening to. Now, nowadays, turn on the television or turn on your smartphone. You have everything on there that you want. The good and the bad and the ugly. And we have to guard against watching what we shouldn't watch, listening to what we shouldn't listen to. We have to be radical with some things, really. Radically determine no way. Certain things, no way. The same, Jesus is saying, guard against all kinds of greed. Now, greed takes many different forms. You know, some people uh, are greedy to build their career, uh, you know, and, and, and ruin their body and their family and their health in the process. Uh, some, some people want to, you know, just financial security or independence at any cost, or their reputation is their God, uh, uh, or, or their, you know, their possessions or the promotion, whatever it may be. Every time you place something physical before the spiritual, you actually have an idol. So everything that pushes God away from you, you know what that is in your life. I know what it is in my life. Things that push God out, things that push God away, uh, that can be or is a form of greed. But Christ, Jesus, wants us to have real life, real fulfillment, real joy, real peace. And uh, greed, you know, destroys all of that. And that's why we have so many divorces and so many friendships that, that, that have turned sour into enemies. Because what we have to learn is that we are grateful, that we are Thankful. Paul said in Philippians 4, 11 through 13, I've had little, I've had much. Uh, you know, I, I know how to, to, to be down. I know how to be on top. And then he says, 
one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No matter what happens, I am content. That's what we have to learn, contentment and gratitude. Now, don't get me wrong. God wants to bless us. That's not the issue. God wants the blessing his blessing to be on our life. He's not against money. He's not against possessions. But he wants us to have a kingdom mindset to go along with the money, with the possessions, with the riches that he may give us or maybe not. There's no promise in the Bible that you, when you follow Jesus, you will get rich. No, it's not in there. It's not, that's the prosperity gospel. It's not in there. Even if you give a lot of money, it does not promise you that you'll get a lot of money back. That's not even the point. That the true way to fulfillment is real contentment and being gr grateful, having gratitude for what you do have. Now, if you are complaining more than you are thank thankful, you are already greedy. Now, that is hard, but it's the truth. And if you're constantly buying things by, with, with debt and with, with you know, going into more debt, then that's also a form of greed. And that's how we can test greed. Are we really content with what we have? Are we grateful for the blessing what we already have? Or are we more complaining about what we don't have or what we have lost maybe? So it's so important to develop an attitude of gratitude and an attitude of contentment a deep-rooted contentment, and just being grateful for what we have. You know, you can be grateful and have nothing. I've met people in th third world countries that, you know, entire family in India when I w was there in the late 90s, six kids like me, six kids the guy had, his name was Jesu Ratnam, that was his Christian name. Before then, he had a, another name that was a, a, a Hindu name. I forget that name. But then he came to Christ and got baptized, and he changed his name to Jesu Ratnam, meaning the diamond of Jesus. At least that's what he told me back then, Jesu Ratnam, the diamond of Jesus. And they lived in this small place, maybe 20, 25 square meters for the entire family, you know, all, all of them sleeping together in one room, uh, but they fed us, they, they took care of us. When I visit them, they put these flowers, this garland around me and my friend that was with me, and they were smiling, they were happy, they were playing on the street. You know, they had a, a, a football rolling around there, I, I kicked it around with them. It was wonderful, you know, and a true riches and true gratitude and true contentment that's what we need. Now, after this, Jesus tells a story. He tells a parable, and it goes on in verse 16. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Now, this guy that Jesus is telling about. He's telling these brothers and the crowd a story, and he's saying there was this entrepreneur, and he was very productive, very successful, very productive, very successful, and 
And then he said to himself this. Then he said, verse 18, this is what I'll do. He's talking to himself. I think the word I, by the way, is like seven or eight or even nine times in these few verses. He, he, he says, I. Then he said, he said to himself, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, you, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. So he's going to do this and that and the other. I will, I will, I will do this. I will build big barns and I can store all my stuff and all my grain. And uh, his dream evidently was exactly what a lot of Instagram and social media entrepreneurs post on their social media. Uh, live your dream. His dream was complete independence. And he submitted everything to that dream. I want to be independent. I want to go into, you know, retirement. But is that a problem to retire? No, it's not. Of course it's not. I'm not going to retire because I want to preach as long as the Lord lets me, as long as I can stand on my two feet. If I, if I can't stand on my two feet anymore, I might sit down while I preach. All that's possible. One of my great hero, heroes is Charles Stanley, still preaching at 89 years old, and he sits on a stool, and then he walks around a little bit. He gets a little tired. He sits on a stool. I like that. And there's no retirement for me personally, you know. I do want to spend more time with my wife and my kids and my grandkids for sure. But, you know, I'm not uh, banking on this life down here. I want to continue building the kingdom of God. But it's not wrong to retire. It's not wrong to be rich. But it's wrong to plan without God. That's the whole issue. To live for yourself. Because the problem comes now in verse 20 and 21. But God said to him, you fool. I didn't say that. God says that. This very night, <laughs> your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? For yourself. He's a fool, not because he was successful or rich or a great entrepreneur. He was not a fool because of that. No, if you're an entrepreneur and you're making a lot of money, please, be blessed. I'm glad you are. But God must be number one. And you must let it flow through you. What God gives to you must flow through you. So you have to be a giver and to be generous and all that. So the problem is uh, that he was doing it for himself. Verse 21, this is how it will be with whoever, whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. So his whole problem was a total false calculation. He did not calculate God into the equation. That was the problem. And so many people are doing that. They're saying, hey, I'll do it later. I have time for God later. I will live for him later. But God... <laughs> These are the two words we must always have in our calculation. These two words can change life in a moment for the good or also for destruction. 
If we're living without God, there will be a but God. At some point, you may not need him now. You may not be ready for him now. You do need him now, but you may think you don't need anything now. The day will come, you will need him. And it will be like, you know, but God. But God is, you know, one thing I know, I mean, we, we, things are taken away from you. you get, I don't know it as much yet in my life. I still feel strong and healthy. But I know my, uh, you know, my wife's, my wife's parents, Christy's parents, you, you get old, things are taken away from you. You know, uh, you know 40, 50, that's the, the, the greatest time of your life, I think. When you're 20 or 30, you know, you, you, I was, at least with me, I was a little stupid back then. I was a little, you know, immature and, and not as wise yet. But 40, 50 is a great age. Uh, you can do many things and it, it, it's wonderful. But as the older you get, things are being taken away from you again. In your 70s or 80s or even higher, things are taken away from you. Or suddenly, through an accident or through, through a, a misfortune, things can be taken away from us. You know, uh, I don't wish that on anybody, but there are things in life where we always have to calculate God and His sovereignty into the equation. Whether He does it or He just you know, allows it, there's things that happen in this world, in our lives, that we cannot plan for. And this guy ignored God. And uh, again, I'll say this again. Making money, uh, you know, having good economics is a good thing. It has its place. But make sure you have God in the equation. Otherwise, we are fools. And we are building on false riches. 1 Timothy 6 but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But we have food and clothing. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, here's the root, but why many people destroy themselves. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money or, you know, wanting money more than anything else, more than God, more than people, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, money is not wrong. I said that already, and I'm... I'm glad if you have money, I'm glad for you. God bless you. The Bible even says, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich. That's not just financial. That is just in life with joy, rich with peace, rich with joy, and rich with fulfillment, rich in family, and rich in, in every other way. Um, but the love of money, uh, wanting money more than anything else. And money here stands even for things. The love of things is the root of all evil. And we need to listen to that because God wants to protect us. And God wants us to, to prosper. There's no question about that in my mind. But he wants us to prosper with the blessing of the Lord and not prosper by losing uh, maybe even our faith and, 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 and you know, forgetting God and shipwrecking like many people 
do. Now, there's one passage in the Bible that is a very special passage for all entrepreneurs. There's, there, if you're an entrepreneur or a business person or something like that, there is a passage written just for you. And it's in James 4, and it says this in verse 13 through 15. Now listen, you who say, listen, you who say, today or tomorrow. By the way, Jesus always said, listen. If you have ears to hear, listen. If you have ears to hear, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Whatever Jesus said, he always said, listen, listen, listen. Listen, you who say tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why you, why? you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. You should say, if it's the Lord's will, we will do this and or that. God's not against us being prosperous, being industrious, working hard, making money, being successful, but it all belongs to Him. And we have to, we have, to have this kingdom mentality, building the kingdom of God through what we do. Now, this guy was, like it says in verse 21, Luke 12 again, Verse 21, uh, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. So, again, money is okay. Prosperity is okay, but you must make sure that you're rich before God. Always realizing that eternity is right in front of you. In Psalm 90, verse 12, uh, I won't have that verse on the screen, but it just comes to mind. Uh, Moses, says, Moses said, you know, Lord, let us think upon, let us realize, let us be aware of the fact that we are dying so we can develop a wise heart. Now, that's my paraphrase, but go look it up. Psalm 90, verse 12. Lord, let us realize, let us be aware that we are dying so that we can, can develop a wise heart. Death is a reality. And that's why we always have to live with the view of eternity, because later may never come. Follow Jesus now. Later will ne will, may never come. It may. You may become very old, but you may not. Later may never come. Do it now. Now, death is not a period. Death is a comma. Death is an, uh, an intersection. It is a, you know, it goes on. It's not a period. It's a comma. But later may never come. You have to do it now. Live for him now. In Luke 16, it says, verse 11, So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches. Now, it's the true riches that we want, and it's the true riches that make one really rich. What are they? What are the true riches? I think there's many, but let me give you the five that just can't come to mind for me as I prepare this message. Number one, 
the presence of Jesus Christ, knowing he is with me, knowing I, that he said, I am with you always, even until the, till the end of the world, the end of time, the presence of Jesus Christ, that's richness. Now, you, you don't have to wait to get to heaven or the new heavens, the new earth, the, the paradise. You don't have to wait to get there to experience the presence of Jesus. If you experience the presence of Jesus here and now, you'll find out if you have Jesus, you have everything. And if, if you have everything and not Jesus, you really have nothing. And that's the truth. The presence of Jesus. The presence of the one and only true and living God. Number two, becoming more and more like Jesus. Now that's what we're into in this world. You know, in Romans 12 it says that we should present our bodies a living sacrifice. And that we should renew our mind with the word of God. Becoming more Christ-like all the time. That makes us truly Rich. I believe the richest people in heaven are those who've been tested and tried and have become more and more like Jesus on the earth. Now, when we talk about riches, we're also talking about time, talents, and we're talking about, you know, everything that we own, you know, our whole possessions. And those we have to dedicate to Him. Your time is riches. Your talents are riches. Your earthly possessions are riches, but they are nothing if you don't have the presence of Jesus and if you're not uh, getting more and more like Jesus every day. Now, I just read today that they busted a big child pornography ring, and uh, uh, one of the, the, the big porno guys from Pornhub in Canada, I just read this briefly, his mansion of 16 million I think dollar, Canadian dollars, it doesn't matter. A lot of money, a $16 million mansion. Just somebody burned it down. Uh, man, all these riches by exploiting people. That's so poor. I feel sorry for the people, for his family, for all the people involved and all the children. It is sick. And these people are poor, 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 wretched. Christ died for them. There's hope. But they must see it and believe it. Number three, the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we can't conquer sin in our own flesh. But when the power of the Holy Spirit comes into our life, He gives us the power to conquer and to change. And that makes us rich. Number four, revelation from God's Word. Now, I love the Bible, and the Bible is like no other book. We don't read it like a normal book, you know. It's interesting. Only children can understand it. Only children can get it. I don't mean physical children. I mean people with a humble heart. And you, you should always pray at every message you listen to from any preacher that's preaching the Word of God or reading for yourself, God, make this real in my life. Revelation of the scriptures are the true riches. And number five, spiritual children. Now, Hannah in the Old Testament said, give me children or I die. He, she meant earthly children. God blessed her then with Samuel. But have you ever asked God for spiritual children? God, help me lead somebody to Jesus or I die. I want to lead somebody to you, Jesus. I want to bring people to you, Jesus. 
spiritual children. I, I, get, I get to have a lot of spiritual children. I'm so glad for that. But I've also made it a, a point to witness about Christ outside of my church, people who would never come to my church. I've made it a point. Just last week, again, I witnessed to a lady about Christ. They gave her one of my books about who is this child, Jesus. It's a Christmas book. We don't have it in English, but <laughs> whatever. Uh, just telling people about Jesus, Lord, give me spiritual children. They must be born again. Help me to reach them so they can be born again into the family of God. So that, that's what makes rich. We'll talk about that some, some more in other, other messages because that's such an important subject. I, I may make a series out of true riches, could be. But I just wanted to give you this. The presence of Jesus Christ, becoming more and more like Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, revelation from God's Word, and spiritual children. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. Ask and it will be given. He is waiting and He wants to make you truly rich. Now I believe you can be rich materially and also be rich towards God. But you have to know it's, it's tough because you have to, in your heart, decide. If push comes to shove, everything I have, I will give it up for Christ. That's, that's what's, what makes it real hard for the really rich. They have to realize it all belongs to God. And he, if he says, give it there, do this, do that, we must obey. It's all his for building his kingdom. And we want to be truly rich by knowing Jesus, living in his presence, becoming more and more like him, living in the power of the Holy Spirit, gaining revelation of the, from the word of God and developing spiritual children, bringing people into the kingdom of God. Dear God, we thank you so much for your holy written word. We, we thank you so much for the true riches. Money can't buy your presence. Money can't buy the power of the Holy Spirit. Money can't buy revelation from God's word. Money can't buy spiritual children. Money can't buy to become more and more like Jesus. But that's what makes us truly rich. Father in heaven, if anybody watching or listening does not know you, Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I pray that they will make that decision now. If you want to make that decision, say this. Dear Jesus, become Lord and Savior of my life. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Please forgive me. Make me brand new. I trust that you died for all of my sins, that you were buried, and that he rose again from the dead triumphantly. You are alive. You live. I believe in your resurrection. Live in me. I give you my life of what it, what, the way it is, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I receive your life now in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you. Don't miss next week. Looking forward to doing Bible study with you again.